Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed a light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today my co-host Skylar and I sit down with Sydney Zezotarski. Sydney grew up in New Jersey and currently swims at Stevenson University. Throughout the episode, Sydney opens up about living with a chronic illness and how that initially affected her outlook on her swimming future. Sydney is also candid with her experience attempting suicide at the age of 16. Her ultimate message is that any negative experience or emotion that someone is going through will eventually pass. I'm really, really excited for everyone to listen to Sydney talk about her experience with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome or otherwise known as POTS. Um, I know anyone in the medical field, you're like, wow, you totally just butchered that. It's a mouthful. I tried my best. Um, POTS is a chronic illness that Sydney was diagnosed with at the age of 15 after experiencing a variety of symptoms such as chest pain and lightheadedness. And I am really excited for Sydney to be on this the podcast and and for everyone to listen to this episode because I know I had a few friends or knew of people who were diagnosed with POTS and it it felt like this very much so no one really knew exactly what it was and I felt like I walked away with so much more clarity and understanding into one what a chronic illness is but also how a chronic illness can really impact your mental health um, beyond, I think, kind of the obvious, like, initial thoughts that came into my mind, right? Like, it really, it branches across a lot of of her life and her life experiences. And I, I always think learning more about, you know, these experiences and the impact it has is, is just so important to continuing to learn and grow and support others around us when we might not truly understand what they're going through um, at at a first glance. So with that, let's get right into the episode with Sydney. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. We are beyond excited to have you on. To kick us off, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Sydney. Um, I just finished my freshman year at Stevenson University in Owings Mills, Maryland. Um, I'm a healthcare management major, and I'm on the swim team at Stevenson. Awesome. Where did you grow up and how did you get into swimming? Um, so I grew up in um, a small town in New Jersey, Greenbrook. Um, yeah, I tried really every sport imaginable. My mom really thought that um, being in sports was very important and taught commitment, um, perseverance. And a big thing was if 
you start a season not to quit. You had to be there for your team. And I think that's really helpful. Um, I think that's like a very good attribute to have. Um, in about fifth grade, um, I was finishing up swim lessons at a local little gym and they recommended that I join a summer league team. Um, I really liked being in the water. Um, I kind of found a connection to it very quickly. So I joined the summer league team. I had a lot of fun and I decided that I wanted to do swimming year round. Um, I tried it out for a brand new team and I swam on that club team for about nine years. I I feel you on the connection to the water that resonates um but I hate swimming so like competitively you didn't mind like being in a lap pool swimming back and forth I was like the swimmers in college so much respect for what you all do because yeah yeah, you you Um, like it I do I feel (laughs) like um competitive swimming can be a very like isolating sport it's Mm -hmm. It's all about your own individual times, but that also makes you very independent, I guess. There's no lying about times. Your times are your times, which I feel like it's kind of nice. Um, I don't know. I found swimming very therapeutic as a little kid. It gave me time to just kind of think. No internet, no social media. Um, it kind of let me just be with my thoughts, which could be a really good thing or a really bad thing. So, yeah. No, I see that. I think I one of my best friends swims and she always compares it to meditation. She's like, mm-hmm. it, it was my time to meditate and just be in my head. Right. Um, and I, I could definitely see that. I think I just feel like I'm suffering so much and I can't breathe. <laughs> like that that is so unpleasant to me that I could never kind of get into a good rhythm mm-hmm. um, but that's cool I and then at what point do you start getting recruited for swimming um, um so it was about sophomore year um well going backwards a little bit my freshman year I started to really improve I started to really um see fast times I started really considering swimming in college and when I talked to my coaches about it there was talk of me going division one and that kind of changed the game for me I feel like it um brought motivation back to the sport because you know training for 11 out of the 12 months of the year it's it's hard it's hard to stay consistent it's hard to stay motivated but that was really a moving factor for me um and then in my sophomore year, I started to experience a lot of health problems. Um, I had a lot of chest pain. I was fainting a lot at school. Um, and then around January 2020, um, so the January of my sophomore year, I was diagnosed with POTS, um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, and when my doctors told me that, they told me that I would probably never get any faster in swimming and so that was kind of a huge block for me and I kind of just wanted to drop swim altogether I didn't really see a point anymore I didn't want to tell my teammates it kind of seemed like I was just slacking off when really that wasn't the case my body physically couldn't do it anymore 
and that was hard um you know I couldn't really change what was physically happening to me and that was mentally draining I I kind of want to rewind us a little bit can you can you and then we'll I want to dive into to POTS because I think that it's I know a few people who have been diagnosed and I think it's such an interesting, we'll go down that route in a sec, but I, I guess like bigger question, like what was mental health like in your community, in your house, like wherever in sports, like, like were there conversations about mental health ever? Was it something that you didn't talk about? Do you remember anything kind of around there? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in a single parent household, so I was put into ther- therapy pretty early on. Um, but when it came to sports, my mom really just kind of attributed it to laziness of more of like when I felt burnt out, it was more just like I didn't want to train anymore, which really wasn't the case. I needed like a mental break from swim. Um, I feel like on my team, we were all kind of feeling the same way, but no one really was courageous enough to speak out about it. So we were all kind of suffering in silence together, which I wish looking back, I could have changed. Um, But yeah, I feel like there wasn't really like a mental health talk, especially on our team, um, which I feel like would have been really necessary, especially during COVID when you know, all of us stopped seeing each other. We were training in like our backyard pools. It was hard. I feel like we definitely needed someone to talk to, someone that understood what was going on. Yeah. Did you feel like the barrier was more language-based, like your team didn't have the right words to put to what people were feeling? Or did you feel like it wasn't a safe space like basically I'm just trying to understand what you saw as the barriers to having those conversations I'm hearing like um yeah people didn't feel comfortable talking but I want to kind of like I feel like that could be broken apart almost like do you think yeah. there are nuances there I think it was more like people were afraid to speak up in case no one else felt the same way um I feel like no one kind of knew how to take the first step and starting the conversation um I feel like it was a safe place I mean we talked about everything you know a lot of us didn't go to the same school so we could talk about you know trouble at school things like that but I don't know I think mental health is such a serious and important topic that none of us knew how to start the conversation they like the language to use. And I think that's something that our coaches probably should have helped with. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Kat, go ahead. Um, no, that totally, totally makes sense. I I wanna I wanna fast forward a little bit, but not quite yet to like your diagnoses. I I want to talk about like what was your mental health like kind of before you were diagnosed with POTS? Like can you kind of talk a little bit about like free symptoms of like this fainting, um, mm-hmm. you know, lightheaded chest pain, 
a little bit. And then I want to dive all the way into <laughs> your diagnosis and really break yeah. down what POTS is for the audience. Yeah. Um, before being diagnosed, I really, with my mental health, I was definitely struggling with depression and anxiety. Um, I feel like I should have been in therapy at that time. Um, I was just very overwhelmed between school and training with swim and thinking about recruitment and what I want to do in college. And if I want to go to college, um, it was all overwhelming. And I feel like I definitely needed help, but didn't know how to ask for it. Were you, were you formally diagnosed or was this like you were manifesting symptoms of anxiety and depression? Like kind of going back to like not finding the words to speak up. Yeah. Yeah. At that time I wasn't diagnosed. Um, I was definitely having the symptoms. Um, I think I got diagnosed way later than I actually started feeling symptoms. Or was there anyone you felt like was like a safe, like was your mom a safe space to go talk? Was there anyone or did you really feel like you were kind of alone with what you were feeling and how you were feeling? Um, it was hard because I feel like I would talk to my mom about these feelings, but then she would associate it with burnout, um, when that really wasn't the case, I feel like it was two separate things. So then I just started assuming that it was also burnout and that I needed to try harder or, you know, sleep more, whatever it may be. But really, that's not the fix at all. Totally. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I mostly ask those questions because I feel like, you know, people listening have may be in that place or going to that place. And and I feel like it is really important to like, you know, shine a light on like that people are going through this and it is really hard to like speak up. Um, can you get us into like, can you break down what POTS actually means and like symptoms and kind of like what you were told and then layer in some things that you've learned kind of along the way about and is it considered a illness disease like how how is it properly yeah, classified chronic illness chronic illness okay yeah so pots is under a big umbrella of autonomic dysfunction which means that your autonomic nervous system doesn't function correctly. So that's like your body temperature, your blood pressure, heart rate, things like that. Um, So POTS is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, meaning that when you change positions posturally, so standing up, sitting down, laying down, um, your heart goes into tachycardia, which causes you to faint. Um, so some of the ex- symptoms I was experiencing before getting properly diagnosed was the fainting. I had chest pain. I had terrible headaches. I was having GI problems. Um, 
but the main thing that concerned my mom was the fainting um the first time it happened was at school and they just said it's because I didn't eat breakfast but we both my mom and I both knew that that there was more to this there was definitely more um and I'm so happy that she believed me and she went with me for months trying to get diagnosed um but yeah I got diagnosed about three months after I first started to experience symptoms um they told me that exercise is super important but you can only exercise for about 45 minutes a day which is a huge deficit from what I was doing which was about two and a half hours a day of swim um so they said because of that um I would never really be able to improve and swim again um which was huge for me um but the main thing is water intake I drink about 120 fluid ounces of water a day um salt so I sprinkle a lot of salt on foods um and yeah just medication um Stay on top of your symptoms, things like that. What causes POTS? Like, where does it come from? No one really knows. Um, it's mostly in girls, um, mostly in female athletes, honestly. Um, they're starting to find that POTS can be um, basically like an illness you get after chronic COVID, that wasn't the case for me, but um, they're starting to see that a lot more, which is very interesting. Um, it usually girls start um, experiencing symptoms around 15 years old, and you usually stop um, experiencing symptoms around 40, 45. So. Okay, so the symptoms hopefully will stop Go at some point. eventually. Yeah. Okay. Um, is so. Uh, Obviously, you're swimming now for Steven. So I guess my question is, how were you able to, and I'm definitely jumping timeline here, but I'm just so curious, how were you able to get around that, like, 40, were you able to train for longer and just manage symptoms? Or have you been able to get the training that you need in and adjust it and fit it into 45 minutes and make it work? Um, I feel like the first big thing I kind of had to do was accept that this was my diagnosis um I wouldn't be able to improve but that doesn't have to mean that my career is over um so I kind of stopped looking at division one schools started to look at division three schools figuring out you know what coaches understood my diagnosis and understood how my training style would be a little different than everyone else um and Coach Clark at Stevenson was very accommodating. Um, we kind of had a meeting about once a month to kind of just go over how I'm feeling, how training is going, things like that. We would always make adjustments. Um, so it's just really important to find a coach that truly understands what POTS is and how it's different and how it's real. Yeah. I'm so glad you found your coach. That's amazing.
We are going to take a quick break and we'll get back to Sydney in a moment. I'd like to take a second to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message was founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, a beloved friend, sister, daughter, and athlete. Our mission is simple. Amplify stories, resources, and expertise to strengthen student-athlete mental health, building a community by and for athletes through peer-to-peer conversations and providing a platform for advocacy. Our vision is to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the high school and collegiate student-athlete communities, equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics, normalize conversations in safe spaces, and empower those who suffer in silence and support those who feel alone. To get involved, to find out more, head to morgansmessage.org and you can follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, let's get back to Sydney. How was your mental health after being diagnosed? Like I, and lacrosse is a little bit different. I knew like two or three people who were diagnosed with POTS and played lacrosse. And it was really scary because you'd be playing and sometimes they'd go for a ground ball and they'd stand up and they would faint on the field. And I didn't realize that it had to do with like that posture change. So now I'm like light ball moment. That makes so much sense. Cause I, I never knew why it was like, it felt like it was so at random. Right. And it was really scary one as like coaching someone who like, how do you know if like you need to pull them out, keep them in? Like, how do you kind of say like, let's sit for this game. Let's play like, that's really scary. But I think also like watching it is really scary. So I can't imagine being the person that's actually experiencing this and being so out of control of like your body's reaction to different movements, like standing up, sitting down, like how, what was that experience like immediately after being diagnosed? Yeah. Um, it was interesting because I got diagnosed January, 2020. So about two months later, the world shut down. So now I was, I was already feeling pretty alone with this diagnosis you know, no one else on my team had this. Um, I felt like no one really could truly understand because um, they weren't also going through it. And then everything shut down. I was alone all day, every day, sitting with this, not being able to train, you know, not being able to have any real routine of going to school or anything like that. Um, so it was really lonely. It was really difficult. Um, in the first few months of training after diagnosis, um, I really, really wanted to believe that I could be like the 1% that could just be totally fine and still drop time. But I learned very quickly that that is not the case. Um, And once I was able to accept that, um, I had a much better relationship with swim. Um, I was able to use it again more as therapy rather than like 
a way to get me into colleges. I found my love for swim again after I was able to accept that um, it's not all about your times. I think that's so important. Just hearing you talk, you are one of the most mature freshmen in college I've ever <laughs> spoken with. And I I do get the sense that maybe this diagnosis played a role in that. Like, do you feel like you just have gone through a lot of self-reflection and like growth as an individual through all of this? Um, definitely. I feel like, you know, I matured pretty quickly with my upbringing being in a single parent household, um, being the oldest, I kind of advocated for myself from a young age. Um, and then I've had to advocate for myself with this diagnosis, um, in sports and school, um, out and about just wherever. Um, yeah, I feel like I've talked about this um, condition so much because I wish more people knew about it. Um, so I love talking about POTS. Um, I want everyone to know about POTS. Um, yeah, one of my teammates just got diagnosed with it a couple months ago, and I love talking to her about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. The more awareness I could bring to it, the better. So do you feel like there are a lot of people who don't understand POTS and like, have you had to do a lot of, I guess, like teaching the past few years about like what's going on in your body, why you can't do certain things? And do you feel like that's met with understanding, apprehension? Yeah. Um. There were definitely a lot, there was a big learning curve with a lot of people, including myself. Um, I feel like even like my stepdad didn't really believe it until like he saw it himself, like saw me fainting, um, saw like my skin turn like white, just like seeing the symptoms because a lot of it is like internal. You can't really see it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been coaches, um, teammates. Yeah. A lot of it's just like, well, you're lazy. You came back from COVID and you don't want to work anymore. Um, and they don't really like want to understand and you can't force them to, but, um, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot about POTS through trial and error like especially with training um because you'd see a physical therapist and they would kind of give you um a schedule and a way to train specifically for swim but um I don't know I felt like for me it didn't work I had to completely change it around but um yeah I feel like there's definitely been a big learning curve and you know, I kind of stopped trying to force people to believe me. Um, I know, like, the people who believe me and support me are there for me, and I don't really need the people who don't believe me in my world, you know? 
That's an incredible mindset to have because I'm, yeah, I'm sure like, I feel like with like these invisible, invisible, you know, illnesses and whatnot, like even mental health, like you can't really see it. And I think a lot of people need to be able to like physically see things with their own eyes to believe it's real when there are so many things internally that don't necessarily have like consistent, constant external symptoms or like manifestations to see. So kudos to you for getting to that mindset. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm sure it took a while to get there and, and you may like struggle now and then, but I think that's incredible. Cause yeah, you, you don't have anything to prove to, to anyone. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's such a nugget to pull out for everyone who's listening, right? It's like what you're experiencing, right? Cause a lot of people are listening to this probably or could be experiencing mental health things that don't have a fainting symptom associated with it, don't have a physical response associated with it. And I always think that the reminder, like your experiences are valid and find the people who believe you and support you and nothing else matters. Like that, I think is just absolute gold for anyone listening um, who might be struggling with a mental illness or challenge that you know, isn't easy to articulate and you can't see physically. Um, so yeah. Thank you for that, Sydney. Yeah. I'm also like, I'm having like an, a sneeze attack. I'm so <laughs> glad this is the moment where I'm like, thank goodness this is an audio only <laughs> product, but you guys get to see my face all puffy. I'm sorry that the audience can't see it all. Um, cool. Um, so is there anything else, Sydney, about your journey with your mental health that you want to cover? Because, yeah, I've just been so impressed by how self-aware and self-reflective you've been. Um, is there anything else that you comes to mind about, like, your mental health journey that you'd want to share with the audience? Um, yeah. Um, I, this past year, was diagnosed officially with treatment resistant depression um and I feel like at least for me it was really hard to find people online talking about it um so yeah I started going on medication for depression about sophomore year of high school right around the time I got diagnosed with POTS um I was going to therapy I felt like it wasn't enough. My therapist recommended that I try medication. Um, and I just had a really hard time finding a fit. Um, I tried really every SSRI under the sun. Um, yeah, I've been to a dozen psychiatrists um yeah I got genetic testing to try to figure out what antidepressant was genetically catered to my um you know genetics that didn't really work um so finally about December of 2022 I was finally put on um Capilito, which is like a trial drug um and it's great um but yeah it took me three years to finally find a medication that's right for me um but yeah I felt very 
stuck. I felt like it was my fault. I felt like something was wrong with me that none of these medications would work for me. Um, And yeah, I feel like that's really difficult, especially when you're trying to deal with school and swim and pots and just life. Um, But yeah, that was a big, a big struggle for me. Yeah, I, I can imagine, especially (laughs) when you do, I did like a genetic when I was diagnosed and getting on medication, I did a genetic swab and like my story is way different than yours where my first thing didn't work out. We went back to the swab and they were like, oh yeah, that one's in the red. Like you should not be on that. And so we switched to something that was in the green because unlike you, like I had that. So that, I don't know. I'm I'm really glad that you're, you've kind of made that path forward, but that is kind of insane. Like, tre- like, does that just mean, and this might be a silly question, but does that just mean that like the chemical, like, just none of those chemicals kind of like reacted the way they were supposed to in your brain or like do doctors even know or do you even know why it's like treatment resistant from my understanding it's just that like the chemicals don't fix the imbalance what the heck I know it's like they're one (laughs) job (laughs) I know (laughs) um how did you find because I can imagine, and again, going off my own experience, I felt so helpless for like two to three months. And that's like, I mean, I don't want to do like the comparison game where like, you know, but for me, it felt like a really long time. And like three years is such a long time. Like, how did you find this clinical trial? Were you like hunting down doctors? Did you have someone really advocating for you saying like, we need to like figure this out? Or, um, yeah, my psychiatrist was recommending it to me because I would kind of go through these cycles with these medications where for about two weeks, I'm feeling great. I'm having no depression symptoms. And then the two weeks would pass and it would all kind of come crashing down and I would feel everything like very intensely, um, So I was trying medication after medication, changing the dosage, just, and it was affecting my pots. It was, you know, a real struggle trying to manage that and swim at school. Um, When I got to college, it was, oh, it was bad. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to live like college life while trying to deal with pots And then trying to find the proper medication, it was just, it was a mess. And I was getting really aggravated. Um, I kind of (laughs) just, I feel bad for my psychiatrist. I kind of just like yelled at her for like 10 minutes on the phone. I was just like, I need something. Like there has to be something else. Um, Because we were talking about um, like, I know there's ketamine, um, treatments we were trying to find something else that could possibly work and I I just kept saying like there's no way there's no other medication and finally she found Capilita and she said you know it's like it's a trial drug there's no guarantee about it but there's been very good reviews on it from people who tried it and 
I've been on it since December and it's been great. Um, yeah, thank God. Amazing. <laughs> I'm so, this is like such a lovely success story. I'm so sorry that it took yeah. so long, but I'm glad that, yeah, you finally found something that yeah. works. Um, I hope that gives hope for other people too, because I mean, it's disheartening when, you know, I had a similar experience where, um, like, a few medications weren't working and it is so disheartening even to have one not work right like you go on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety whatever kind of medication because it's bad right like that's your point where you're like okay I really really need some help and then to have it just add side effects or not work at all you know it's it's disheartening so just huge props to you for sticking in it for three years yeah matter of fact I <laughs> yeah that's amazing um just about that yeah you found what works yeah um what do you think at closing questions I think we're um, about yeah I'm at close, that time yeah. <laughs> unless Sydney there's anything that you feel like we haven't touched on yet I don't think so I think we're we're good <laughs> amazing then I I will take the first closing question if you could go back I mean, and I know this is not like recent, recent, but definitely like more recent, you know, with medication last year and and whatnot, these past few years have been quite the journey. If you could go back to when you feel like you were struggling the most or kind of at like one of your lowest points, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself knowing what you know now? Hmm. I think... Honestly, I think I would just say it's also temporary. All of the struggles that you're going through, it's not forever. And I think I really had a hard time thinking that, that I really thought everything, all the issues in my life were going to last forever. And they're not. Um, and I think younger me definitely needed to hear that it's all very temporary and you will get over this hurdle and the next one. So true. I love that. I'll pass the <laughs> mic to Sky for the last closing question. Um, last closing question is um, what is one thing that you are grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for my mom. Um, yeah, she did so much for me. All through my life, between like raising me, taking me to all my doctor's appointments, um, you know, picking up the phone at 2 a.m. when I'm at college and struggling. Um, she's just the best. Um, I love her so much. I owe so much to her. But yeah, I'm incredibly grateful for my mom. Oh, that has me all the way up in my heels. Um, I kind of <laughs> got that sense of the whole podcast. I would like, I had a sense that you would say your mom just, yeah, because you mentioned her a few times today. And I think, yeah, it sounds like she's an incredible human being. So shout out to your mom. Shout out. <laughs> you shout out. Hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup. I mean, this was awesome. I'm really excited that 
we now have kind of this conversation, this episode talking about POTS for anyone who's like curious about learning more or maybe recently diagnosed or has been kind of, you know, deal managing, managing their POTS. And so, yeah, I can't thank you enough. Thank you to Sydney for coming on the mental matchup and talking about something that, you know, is, has been so impactful on her life and in both, I think, positive and negative ways where positively, you know, being grateful for one's health and the experience you've gone through, but also negatively with her mental health experiences and, impacting something that she loves so deeply and I am so grateful that she came on and was so vulnerable and opening up about truly what it's like going going through being one diagnosed with a chronic illness at such a young age at, at an age of 15 right where as a young female you're going through so many other things in your life in your body you know, at school, so on and so forth. And, and to kind of add this layer in, it it can be a lot. And I'm really, really grateful for her vulnerability and her courage in not only educating Skylar and I as to like what POTS really is, but her experience of like, what is it like living with this chronic illness, you know, since being diagnosed, but all the way up until through today, you know, and and what that might look like in her future as she kind of manages it day to day. So another huge thank you to Sydney for coming on. Um, I am so grateful. We have such incredible guests who come on The Mental Matchup. If you want to come on our podcast, if you want to share your story, whether it be on the podcast, on our written stories, please, please, please raise a hand. We would love to have you on. You can head to morgansmessage.org or email us submission at morgansmessage.org. To get involved, to find out more about Morgan's Message, you can head to morgansmessage.org. You can head to Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, at Morgan's Message. Um, And lastly, you can always follow along at The Mental Matchup on Instagram. With that, I will see you next episode.